Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde, and I'm so thankful to have a good friend of mine, Mark Fitch, on the podcast with us. And one of the things that we've done in light of COVID-19 is we've pivoted a bit with the podcast and having people outside our immediate Lehigh Valley come on. And the reason why that is, is, is first of all, I wanted to hear their perspectives on COVID-19, how they're leading through that. Secondly, I want you to hear from voices that truly have inspired me through the years and really have impacted my vision, my personal vision for the Valley and, and what I do in my life. And then lastly, I just had a lot of questions about life and leadership. And I thought, you know what, while I'm going to ask them these questions, uh, why don't I hit the record button and let you in to our conversation. And so I'm so, again, grateful to introduce to you a good friend of mine, Mark Fitch. Mark and I go way back when I was a senior in college. Uh, I met Mark in a church called Parker Hill Community Church, which is up in the Clark Summit, Pennsylvania area. And then Mark would just be an instrumental part in my own journey. He would uh, help to officiate Amy and I's wedding. And we're so grateful for that part of the journey. But then even as I uh, sought out to be a, a pastor, whether that was a youth pastor or a lead pastor or lead church planter, he has been such a, a voice of wisdom and encouragement throughout the year. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Joseph, thanks uh, so much for having me on today. And it's great connecting with you. Uh, obviously, as you just shared, we've known each other for a long time, 20 20 years. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> just just crazy thinking back um, over the journey of, of these last years. Um, and just appreciate your friendship and the bold steps you've taken for God over these years as well. And uh, just courageous leadership along the way. So um, yeah, so I've been married to my wife, Nanette, for 27 years. We met in when we were in high school, I was 16, she was 15. We've been together ever since. So married for 27 years together, longer than that. We've got two daughters. Lauren is 24 and Michaela will be 20 this month. And um, so, so grateful for them. And I spent almost 20 years of my life north of the Lehigh Valley in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area. And then the last couple of years, I've been south of the Lehigh Valley, down in York, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So uh, serving in churches in both places, as Joseph already mentioned, at Parker Hill Community Church. I staffed there for 13 years, um, and then uh, most recently at LCBC Church, which has locations across Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a campus pastor at the York location of LCBC. Yeah, Mark, tell us a little bit about LCBC. Just for those who don't know, a lot of us do know about LCBC. It's a, a great church in a lot of ways. It's a North Star church in the sense of uh, where we, a lot of people from our area and even the Northeast uh, beyond <laughs> have been impacted by the ministry of LCBC. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So LCBC stands for Lives Changed by Christ. And I love that because that's 
Mm-hmm. You know, we're just a group of imperfect people being changed by who Jesus is. And it's not so important uh, what faith background you have, if any. Um, you know, it's a place where all people are welcome who, you know, want to explore what life with Jesus looks like. And so um, that church, LCBC, uh, started in Lancaster County in Mannheim and is currently at 15 locations across the state of Pennsylvania. So it's a multi-site church. Um, and again, I'm at the York location of yeah. LCBC. Yeah, and, and Mark's killing it at the uh, York campus. Uh, man, it's been awesome just to even watch that that uh, transition of what brought him back here because for a season he was in the Virginia area. And man, when he told me he was moving back, I was like, dude, we gotta connect me and you Lily sushi down in Allentown. There's like, all you can eat sushi. This is uh, a pre-quarantine life uh, and coronavirus. And yeah, they again are doing an incredible, incredible work. And and so what I wanted to do, Mark, in light of, you know, all that you guys are doing in LCBC, I wanted to to hear uh, from your own personal leadership, but even as a church, because I think across the board, there are organizational principles. And and so I wanted to ask you in light of COVID-19, how have you been leading through this season? Yeah, so, um, you know, like probably for everyone who would be listening to this, um, first of all, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> to start with, nobody's ever done this before, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I was saying that uh, for the first several weeks, it's like the the – the background of what your decisions had to be made based on kept changing, like almost daily, sometimes by the hour and kept feeling like I've never done this before. And the reality is none of us have ever done this before. We've never had to lead through a scenario like this. And so, um, man, there's been a ton of learning over, over these last couple of months. Um, one of the things, so, um, you know, our organization, our church, I lead a site with 10 staff at our current, at our York location, but I'm part of a church that has um, about 150 staff across the 15 locations. No, I'm sorry, 250 staff across the um, 15 locations and our central staff. And so how do you keep all those people moving together when you can't meet together? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's all this, all this learning that's going on, how, how you lead the people that you're responsible for in these ever-changing dynamics. One, one of the things our lead pastor did right out of the gate, and it, it just is still serving us well today, is, um, is planning for the worst. Like, you know, do our best to kind of project what is the impact of all of this going to be? Uh, let's plan for the worst. And then um, if it's not that bad, then you're pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if you're prepared for the worst case scenario, um, you know, you kind of take those hits initially and then you're constantly um, encouraged that it wasn't as bad as you thought it could have been. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did that in terms of, you know, what's the impact going to be on giving? Mm-hmm. Um, how long, you know, how long will we be closed for? Initially, we didn't know, is this going to be a couple of weeks? Um, should we be planning for a couple months? <laughs> you know, so again, with some of these things, it's like, if you plan for the worst case scenario, then you can back your way back out of that and um, be from that place. So anyway, that's just one principle, plan for the worst and 
Yeah, well, I, I even think I think it's even good to even give yourself a lot of kindness and grace as leaders, right? Uh, we've never led through a pandemic. Uh, they happen yeah. every hundred years, and none of us have done this before. And I think it's an important lesson for us all to give a lot of kindness and grace to ourselves and the fact that we do feel unsettled, we do feel disoriented, and we're having to reorient ourselves, right, uh, to our reality because our reality keeps changing and it, there's a lot of unknown factors. And I think to pair that with, hey, we prepare for the worst, I think even allows us then to say, hey, because we don't know what we're doing, let's prepare for the worst. And then again, I love that language, pleasantly surprised, right? It's the, the old principle of Jim Collins, <laughs> under promise, over deliver, right? And in, in the same way, if you live that way, it really helps, I think, yourself, yeah, the people you're, you're walking with and leading, uh, organizationally speaking, it gives um, freedom. And then those who are going to be a part of what you do, and specifically what Mark does is he's a part of a, a church staff team and, and they do an incredible job there. But for any organizational leader or anybody that's looking at uh, leading, whether that's an organization or in their home or themselves, I do think it's okay to say across the board, this principle applies. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done it before. So I'm going to plan for the worst and be pleasantly surprised. I think that's just good wisdom regardless of how you're leading, what you're leading, what's going on. I think that has, that is an incredible principle, Mark. That's, that's a lot of wisdom right there, man. I think something else, at least in the church context, and I'm sure this applies other, others as well. Um, it's a principle that I heard really early on, and that is marry your mission, but date your methods. And the idea there is like your method, your methodology for carrying out your mission will likely have to change over time and circumstances. Well, we're in a season where we can't meet in our church buildings. And you might think, well, oh my goodness, well, you can't be a church then. Well, no, our mission actually can be carried forward just as strong, if not even stronger, but just using different methods than we had up until the quarantine. So, um, you know, just being prepared to adjust our methods to carry out the same mission. And so, uh, we've seen, you know, obviously a huge shift to church online, which, you know, we had previously, but that wasn't our primary method. Well, now it's like a primary method and um, helping people connect in online groups or serving in our community, things that we were doing, but we've just leveraged the methodology differently. So our mission has remained the same, but our methodology has changed in how we're carrying that out during the season. Oh, dude, that's so good. And I, I, I would, again, encourage you, no matter what your spiritual journey is, no matter what you're leading, if it's yourself and your home, organizational life, that principle applies so much because we get fixated oftentimes on the methodology. And the methodology, while helpful, can be limiting to innovating. And innovation, and you've heard me say this before, but innovation isn't just about creating something new. It's about holding on to what's important. So if you know that what your mission is, then you can innovate in light of the mission in the circumstances that you find yourself in. Because again, none of us have done this before, but we prepare for the worst, but we make the best of the current circumstances we find ourselves in. It's not if our circumstances were, were different, uh, then we would do things differently. Well, they're not different. <laughs> this is the hand we've been dealt. So what are we going to do with it? it? It's being able to look at the reality of what we're facing and what we're going through and knowing 
that we don't have to be married to the way we've done it uh, or, or to your, that, that quote, to the, the methodology. But the mission does not change. The mission remains the same. And, and if you haven't honed in on your mission, this was a great time, whether, believe it or not, uh, you may feel like you're behind the eight ball in light of everything going on, to make sure you have a crystal clear understanding of what your mission is. Uh, because you may be even beating yourself up in this time, like, oh, I'm not able to do this or that. Well, is that really the focus of, of who you are and what you're to be about? What's your mission? And are you allowing that mission to be the, the guiding force? And are you, you know, I think about even now, like uh, Mark and I have wanting to connect. And I mean, I've tried to figure out ways for us to do that. But this circumstance has allowed me to innovate the way we connect. I'm using Zoom more than I've ever used it in my life. And I'm figuring out new things about it. And it allows us to be encouraging one another in our journey, but also to get that out to other people. Now, the old way before coronavirus, I thought, man, I got to get somebody to our Riverbend studio uh, and I got to get them behind the mic, you know, and Chris is going to set all this up and he does a great job of that. But, but wait a minute, why? Why does it have to be that way? Uh, there, there's a lot of ways you can do this. And so again, focus on the mission and, and then the, the, the mission will drive the methods that you're able to do. That's, that's really helpful, Mark. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a two things I think of while you're saying that Joseph is um, one is this season has given us opportunity to identify what is core to what we do. Like when you boil everything down of all the different things we busy ourselves with, all the different programs and activities, you know, what is most core that must be perpetuated during this season to carry out our mission? What's core? And so it's just helped us get laser focused on those core things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a lot of things that we're not doing right now, you know, and I'm guessing that when we're able to, meet again in our buildings, we probably will eliminate some of those things, you know, because again, this is just, it's almost like a purifying time or a a refining time of what your core stuff is and where you should be putting the majority of your energy. And so this is a great time, man, if there's something you needed to kill, (laughs) um, (laughs) something you need to kill in your organization like that, either it's sideways energy or it used to be effective that isn't anymore um, or not the same kind of effectiveness this is a great time to just kind of say rest in peace. And when we're able to, you know, resume quote unquote normal activities, um, that would be something that doesn't get resurrected. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think, I think even knowing that, like uh, as we look at the, the normal we're in right now, there's a new normal to come and we don't know what that fully looks like, but I think for sure, one of the, the ways that we set ourselves up for success in the future is, to understand what needs to be killed um, and what's core. Um, so, yeah. you know, don't, you know, again, it's that same idea of the, the not being married to the methods, but to the mission. And, and what that does, and I, and I think Mark would agree with this, is it really opens you up to what's a priority. Because if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. That's just a, a truth of, of life and principles. And I know, People like me who like think, no, everything's like, let's, you know, and I got people around me like, you can't actually do all the things you're saying. So you've got to get to like really the core of, of who you are and what you're about. And, and then even whether it's organizational life or personal life, what are the things that need to, to die down? 
You know, what are the things that need to, to not be there um, in this, this time and in this moment uh, going forward? Um, you know, and, and as you look ahead, I think that's a really good observation is to say, hey, let's look at the core. You know, what, what are the core parts of who we are? And let's hold on to, to the things that need to be held on to, but let's kill what needs to be killed. So good, Mark. Something, um, I'm reading a book right now called No Ego. And one of, the, one of the principles talked about in there is, you know, there's always things to whine and complain about. And I, you know, we can say, oh, our governor is restricting this and restricting that. And, um, you know, it, it's easy to have that victim mentality that we can't do all these things. And so one of the questions in this book is just a simple question. And the question is, given all those realities, what does great look like right now? So how do we be great right now? Given all those circumstances, how do we be great? What does great look like? And so that's just been a helpful question to even unlock my own thinking, given all of the restrictions around us, what does great look like when it comes to our mission, carrying that out right now with our people? And so it just helps you think and dream about ways to carry out your mission, even though there are limitations. Yeah. And I think even with that, like, you know, those limitations that may be there, like, um, limitations can even be a lid or a leverage point to something new, right? So like you could see a limitation as a lid or a leverage point to something new. So, um, you know, I, I think about even that question of like, what does great look like? And, and even adding to the, the, that narrative or that, that uh, thought is, hey, don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. Yeah. You know, because that's yeah. what happens is we get so fixated on whether it's a victim mentality or limitations or, um, or, you know, Hey, I can't do this. So therefore I'm not going to do anything. Well, wait a minute. That's like faulty thinking, right? That's not, that's, uh, as they say in the South stinking thinking, you know, that, that is not, <laughs> that is not good thinking, right? Cause that, that limits what you can do. But if you could see limitations as not a lid, but as a leverage point, uh, to exactly, um, what it is that God you know, has for you and could do uh, in the midst of, of what it is that you're facing. It could be a leverage point to something new. I, I think it's incredible for us to even be able to see, you know, those opportunities uh, in that way. Yeah, Mark, um, this is great, man. I don't want to, I, I don't know if I'm cutting you off. So you keep going, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what else? What else are we, uh, we're learning? I mean, there's a lot of learning in this whole zoom world, you know, um, I'm spending hours and hours every day on zoom meetings and I'm super grateful for it. Like I'm amazed that the technology allows our teams to keep functioning. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I discovered probably about four weeks into this was our zoom meetings were all about business. Like it was, we were just working through an agenda and I'm like, man, I am missing the, the just connection with my team and the banter that would happen in the office. And uh, so we, I mean, that's just one of the side learnings that have happened is just like, Hey, we've got to build in all of our interaction right now is happening on zoom. So we need to build in some, 
I don't know, some more unstructured time. So I actually have a list of questions. They're like icebreaker kind of questions. And I have a bowl with all of my team members' names in them. Mm. And I pull the name out of the bowl and a question, and that just kind of sparks a conversation, gets us laughing about different things. And anyway, that's awesome. That's just a no. Well, I think something that kind of developed over time. Yeah, well, because I think a lot of leaders are trying to figure that piece out. Like, how do you banter uh, with one another in the midst of, you know, a lot of times those you know technology pieces are about efficiency, and so yeah. I think it'd be easy to kind of miss the connection and to not be able to relate. Uh, to one another in light of you know the fact that you're not in the same physical location as the other I think that's you know really even helpful for me to think about like okay how do I you know how do I connect with people how are you managing you know even for yourself Mark I've heard the zoom zombie effect how are you handling (laughs) like your own now we're you know you know we're on it a lot now so how are you doing with just giving yourself some breaks from a screen like that yeah, I, I don't, you know, again, kind of as we said at the top, it's like we've never lived in this reality before. So there's learning that happens along the way. And, and some of that for me within that first three, four weeks, I felt like I, I was always working because I'm a, like, usually it would be I'd be at the office and then I'd leave the office and I'd come home. But like I'm at home and I was like tethered to my phone or my computer and constantly responding to emails or Slack messages or you know, being on the zoom calls and it's like, I've got to create some different kind of boundaries. Mm. Um, and so part of that was just creating a workspace that I go to. Mm. And so then when I'm not in that workspace, I'm not working anymore. Um, and, and I think just giving yourself permission and your team, if you oversee, um, other employees, just giving them the flexibility to, or encouragement, even like get outside today, go for a walk, (laughs) stand up and leave your desk, your computer. um, Just, I don't know. It's just a different time that we're leading through and the dynamics that happen while you're doing this at home. And, you know, some people have young kids at home and all of that. And, you know, like you're a mom or a dad first, you know, and uh, trying to manage that while you're on, meetings and stuff like that and so it's just flexibility with each Mm -hmm. other and I think talking about it um, I think talking about it helps as opposed to just assuming we need to have the same protocols we had in the office we need to impose them now on the home setting I think is probably a that will be a frustrating experience for people yeah well I think so yeah I think I was just on go ahead I'm sorry Mark oh I was gonna say I was on a meeting this morning and uh you know one of our our um one of my coworkers, you know, her son, her two-year-old son was sitting on her lap while she was, you know, in the middle of the Zoom meeting and he's grabbing a car over here and all over that. Well, that would never happen in the office setting, but this is the home setting. And so we're, we're interacting with her son and, and saying hi to him and all of that. And that's just part of the reality of working in this, in this season. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important, like you said, to ask this, the question and answer it like, what are the new rhythms we need to create given the new reality? So, you know, creating an, I like how you said that a workspace, um, uh, you know, I know for me at times, you know, purposely leaving my phone off for hours, <laughs> uh, just to, and I, that's just my, my need. It's me saying, Hey, I need this space from this because if I don't, you're tethered to it. Um, un, unstoppable. 
you know, it's, you know, unstopping uh, from the work um, and continues on. And you just, you know, like you said, it's hard to break. And I think going for walks, I think all of those are, are big parts of that. And I think even allowing seasons of uh, and times of, of just joy and delight and laughter. So, you know, I've been really into this last dance documentary on 30 for 30 uh, about Michael Jordan and the, uh, the last uh, dance for the bulls before they broke up the team. And man, that's just been so fun to watch, you know, and, and, you know, um, finding those different gifts in the midst of it. And so as you think about leading through that, I wanted to ask you, um, what are, what are you celebrating um, in the midst of this challenging time? You know, I, I think that there are some challenges too. So I, let me start with there. What are the challenges you see right now? And what are you celebrating? Yeah. Um, I think challenges, <clears throat> challenges are, well, it's what everybody's <laughs> facing. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, you, you want to say, when are we going to get back to normal? But somehow you also know that the normal as we knew it, doesn't exist out there anymore. Like we're, it's like the ship that got us here, we're swimming away from, we're swimming to a new ship that's going to take us into the future. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. That's a challenge. And I think for a leader, and I feel this as I'm trying to lead my team, it's like, as the leader, you want to know where you're going. I don't know where we're going. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) that's, that's challenging. You know, it's like, um, and you want to keep, you want to keep your team motivated towards, you know, pursuing things together. And yet what, what is it exactly that we're pursuing? You know, how to, how do you keep them energized around these different activities? Um, and so one of the things that was cool for us, um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, or I just asked each of our team, like for for many now the core things that we did two months ago we're not able to do right now we're we're adjusting and doing different activities during this time and um like our worship leader he's not leading any music right now (laughs) you know um or our kids director isn't leading kids programming at the church and you know so it's like um what we have been focused on is connecting with people, making personal contacts with everybody in our church every couple of weeks. Like, and it's just a lot of contacts with people. And so when you ask them, well, what energizes you? It never was about the programming anyway. It was always about, it was always about people and seeing life change in people. And, um, and so they can still be just as energized doing, even though it's a different activity, it's different work. Um, it's still accomplishing the same thing. So I, <clears throat> those are some challenges. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, yeah, yeah. go ahead. What are you celebrating right now, Mark? Yeah, it kind of couples with that. And that's one of the things we're celebrating is um, it's allowed us because we've put this focus for our staff on um, contacting, having a personal contact with our people every couple of weeks we literally are making phone calls, text messages to hundreds and hundreds of, so at our location, we have 1500 people would be an average attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're reaching out to all those people every couple of weeks. And 
So it's getting, allowing us to get to know our people actually in a, in a deeper way in many cases um, because we're having more frequent contact in their lives and they're able to share what's going on uh, Mm -hmm. with us. Um, So I'm celebrating that. Like to me, when you boil down what the church is ultimately supposed to be about, it's about, it's about the people. It never was supposed to be about a building. It's about the people. And so I'm celebrating that we have an increased connection with our people. Um, With church online, you know, our focus was always like, we've got to get people to our building. Well, church online, we're reaching more people. Um, We're reaching more people now than we were in our buildings. Hmm. And I think part of that is just the safety of people being able to explore it and engage in it in their own living room, you know? And so, we're, we're celebrating that right now. And, and it's helped us focus back on what does our community need from us? Like, mm-hmm. how can we meet needs in our community? And so whether that's a food drive or a blood drive or um, just neighbors serving neighbors, this, this season has given us the opportunity. And I think the focus of, because of, people have needs all around us. Like how do we mobilize people to, you know, just neighbors serving neighbors, seeing a need, meeting a need. Um, and there's something beautiful about that. Just people caring for each other and serving each other. And so I'm celebrating that right now. In many ways, it feels like it's almost like a return to like what the first century church looked like. And there's something beautiful about that, you know, yeah, and I, I was going to say, too, I, I think as I look at that, I think those are celebrations uh, worth celebrating, like connecting with people um, relationally. Like, I mean, you know, and wherever you are in your spiritual journey or whatever you do, I, I do think there's power in just picking up the phone and making a phone call because I think people need to hear from uh, each other. And while we can't physically, like, see each other or uh, touch each other right now, like, man there's a high need and a high opportunity to just reach out to people. And I I think about, you know, any organizational leader, if you want to make a lasting impression, they're going to remember how you led in times like this, probably more so than almost any other time. And that's not to diminish what we've done prior, uh, but I do think that there is an important part of our leadership of in, in a time of crisis, we stayed calm, caring, and compassionate and and connection is part of that uh, by picking up the phone and calling and when you let your clients know that you're for them by checking in you don't necessarily want anything from them you're just checking in you know same thing on the church leadership side when you just call to check in how are you doing how can i be praying for you hey i want to let you know of opportunities for you to continue to be connected to the life of the church man that all speaks of care and right now we were not suffering before the, the virus of a lack of content. That was not the issue, <laughs> but we were struggling with a lack of a connection. And I think this time has revealed to us the importance of having connection points, even to unpack the content of what's going on with the coronavirus, the content of what's happened in our home. We're trying to homeschool kids. We're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. We're trying to work from home. We're using Zoom. Like there are things that we've just never done. And I think to have that connection point and to um, really help people to unpack what their circumstances are and their content is meaningful. That's going to cause people 
to remember you. And I forget who said it. You know, there's a lot of things that we'll say in life and there's a lot of experiences we'll have, but people will remember you for how you made them feel. And I forget who said that quote. I think it was Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela, one of them. But I think that's right. Like they're going to remember how you made them feel. And I, and I think that we have an opportunity to make them feel significant, seen, celebrated, loved. They're not forgotten. They're feeling all kinds of things right now. And I, I think that connection point is so important. And I think back to innovation, I agree with you, Mark. I think a lot of the fo focus, and I get it, was, hey, we, we can't just be about the online experience, you know, because we know connection and community happens with people in person. But I realized as we were going through this, I was like, wow, we, we kind of made it either this or that at times in that conversation where we weren't thinking like, wait a minute, what about the person who will never step foot in the church, like a location, church location, but would be more than willing to watch this on their own time when it's convenient, whether it's on that, the actual service time or some other time. Um, and they're connecting in that way. Um, we are, I think, catching up in some ways, you know, the church with that on-demand option. And I get we want to walk that line of not trading that for connection and not being about consumerism. But I, I think it's not necessarily looking at it as either this or that. It's rather saying, hey, what does it look like to leverage the in-person stuff? We, we're never going to get away from that. But then to supplement that with the online experiences for those who can't come to the church building, um, don't feel comfortable coming to the church building, people who have to work during that time. There's all kinds of reasons that go on. But I, I think across the board, whether it's a church or an organization, we should be asking that self, ourselves that question. Are, are we giving ourselves like an either or proposition when it should be an and? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, you know, it should be in person and online. <laughs> you know, an example. Yeah, I, I think for us, we probably viewed online almost in competition with coming to our buildings. Like, like, I'm not sure I want people to watch online because I'm afraid if they watched online, they wouldn't show up in, in our buildings, yeah, yeah. you know, which to your point is probably not the right kind of thinking if we're going to engage people right where they're at, um, it's both. And it's kind of like Dick's sporting goods. Like, yeah. well, when the physical stores were actually open, yeah. I, I bought a pair of shorts online um, from Dick's sporting goods. And then to re return them, I, for a different size, I actually took them to the store and the store gave me a coupon for a discount while I was there. So bought it online, took it to the store to return them, purchase something else in the store for me, it was all Dick Sporting Goods. It wasn't like Dick Sporting Goods online and in the store. And it's, I guess I'm trying to make the analogy for the church. It's like having things available online just enhances a person's experience with your church because it gives them multiple ways to engage with the church, not just in the building. And we, we live increasingly in a culture where, you know, having access to things online is really helpful yeah and, and I, essential right now yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it's about engagement right so like you know across the board you know uh i think it's important for us to be constantly asking you know and you said this be the beginning of our time about the core pieces of, of what we hold on to um and then what we let go i think we need to be looking at 
hey, what are the core things we hold on to, not only from a value standpoint, but a value added standpoint too. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are those things that we should bring with us and not to diminish, again, we're not, we're not pitting, pitting these things against each other. And I, I think we live in a culture increasingly that likes to create a narrative <laughs> based on uh, like this or that. And, you know, we, we don't know how to get out of our echo chamber, uh, which is one of the reasons I'm having a variety of people on the podcast who are coming from all kinds of just places and, and experiences because, you know, I want to get out of my own echo chamber. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with where I'm at, you know, and, and I think um, it's important for us to be able not only to innovate, but to understand the value added that we can give. Now, again, we have to look organizationally at about our, our mission, you know, our core competencies, meaning uh, what is it that we're actually able to do at, do and what we're really good at? Um, what, is, what is it, and specifically in our church settings, um, what is God asking us to do? Like, you know, just because LCBC does this or Riverbend does this doesn't mean we should do exactly the same thing. There's some specific, unique things he's going to call us to. But the principles apply of connection, you know, of finding ways for people uh, to have an enriched experience and engage with us um, and to find new ways to invite them into that, whether they are part of our church, a follower of Jesus, or spiritually seeking. They're not sure what they think about this. They just like their friend and they're going to, their friend promised them wings after the service, you know, you know, or they promised they're going to watch the Eagles game. You know, I don't know, you know, whatever it is. uh, I think that we have an opportunity to really even be missionally focused as well, which is to think like those who would never walk through a church building, which brings me to what you said too, Mark, about the celebration of what are the needs of the community? You know, uh, what, what are the things that are going on that we could tangibly, uh, tangible, tangible needs that we could meet and walk alongside our community? You, you mentioned a food drive. You know, we've uh, been able to do food distribution. You know, we, we had like 4,000 meals going out here. These are tangible things that add value to the community as well, because we recognize that, yes, we're pastors of churches but we're also pastors of communities, right? Like we're never, it's think parish model, right? And that's an old school terminology, but a parish model was never about, hey, these are my people and that's all I'm focused on. No, they were focused on the whole neighborhood and community that surrounded them. And I think we want to have that same heart of, of really understanding the value that we can add to the people around us who are, who are hurting. I mean, and it's not even just, you know, usually when we think about food, we kind of limit the the perspective of who would need food. We're talking about people, yes, who are the vulnerable amongst us, like the homeless population. We're also talking about middle class to upper middle class where they're on furlough. They've been let go. They don't have income. They try to go to the grocery store. There's not stuff there. <laughs> you know, these are opportunities where we get to say, hey, in the name of Jesus, we want to give this to you, you know, and, and I think, you know, no matter who you are or what you're doing, you know, the scarcity mindset runs rampant in times like this. Um, and scarcity can be an opportunity to innovate, but it also can be a time to look inward and become greedy. And one of the things I've been just thinking about when I look at the life of Joseph, um, Joseph, it says about him, if, if you're not a, a Bible reader or a follower of Jesus, his story is pretty incredible, but he's made a governor essentially. <laughs> and there's a famine coming. And so there's, you know, seven years of, of, 
of great feasting and then seven years of famine. And in the, the famine, he says to the Pharaoh, he says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm saying we take some of the grain and we store it. But he didn't store it to hoard it. Uh, he didn't prepare to be greedy. He prepared to be wisely generous. And it would, so his preparation was a, an act of care. And as he was prepared, he was able then to give out the grain to those in need. So I, I think about that in our own, our own time right now that we're in. We have an opportunity, even though we don't feel like we have as much, to leverage what we do have, whether it's uh, talents that we have or, or resources that we have that are unique to us. There's all kinds of things that aren't limited to just money either, right? You know, there, there's value that we can add. So be thinking about how you could practice this spirit of generosity in a time where there is immense need. And, and you know, you have to wisely work with what you have and, and understand it. Like you can't meet every need, but as Andy Stanley wisely says, do for one what you wish you could do for many. Like don't, don't let the amount that you can't do hinder you from what you're called to do. Because uh, it's not the, the big splashy thing that actually changes things. It's the, the little faithful acts that are built upon one another that lead to a lot of fruitfulness. And so as, as you think about that, Mark, I, I didn't know, is there anything that you wanted to add about COVID-19 as far as creative things that you've done, creativity? I know you've mentioned some of them, but I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to add. Uh, there's all, I mean, there's all kinds of ways. It's mostly through Zoom, but other ways people are looking to, you know, carry out the mission, whether you know, we have a high school group that meets on Wednesday nights and it's through Zoom meetings. They break into groups through Zoom more. Like personally, I'm in a small group that meets by Zoom, you know, and I'm, I'm amazed that we, we can connect each other. We grow in our relationship with God. We, we grow in our care and love for one another through that. And we haven't been able to physically be with each other, you know, for a couple months now, but just the technology, um, I don't feel like that's a huge innovation. Innovation is the technology that allows us to do that, but it's, it's doing something that we didn't, it's again, it's carrying out the same mission, the same purpose, just using a different methodology. Um, I think we're all exploring how to utilize social media and <laughs> other resources You're like that. Yeah. Are you going to make a TikTok video? I'm, I'm ready to see it, dude. I've, I've not, I've not downloaded TikTok. <laughs> 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 my, my daughters have said please do not dad please do not that means you gotta do it um, that means but yeah um you know one of the one of the things that grew out of this um we started having different ones of our campus pastors and worship leaders put together a song and then like a devotional thought and prayer it's about six minutes long and we started sending that out each day um and then you know, that really expanded um, to other churches in Pennsylvania. And now I think we've got about something like 20 different churches participating in this. And the distribution list is going out to tens of thousands of people uh, getting a song and a prayer every day in an email if they request it, you know. Um, we never would have done that. Like it, it just it sparked um, a cooperation, a collaboration with other church leaders across mm -hmm. the state of Pennsylvania in a way that you know would not have happened probably before so and it's just a it's a small innovation but it's a way of 
getting something positive into people's minds and in front of them with all the negativity, you know, that's, that's um, in the media right now. It's just a worship song, a verse of scripture and a prayer, you know, just to get that out there. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think those, I I know they seem small, but actually they're really big because I I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how do you connect with the next generation right now? Um, Because, you know, it's a little harder um, with, the zoom piece for some, because, you know, I was talking to another leader and he was trying to figure that out. Like, you know, you can't, you know, with mom and dad, you know, with, you know, preschool and elementary age, it's a little more like, Hey, hands on, but you know, how do you get, how do you wrangle them in for involvement? And I think even, you know, just saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to leverage this. You know, we, we've been using zoom as well for groups. I just, before this, um, conversation with you, I jumped on, I, uh, we, we've been doing a Wednesday prayer meeting. 12 to one, um, man. And, mm. and it just, I just really believe in the power of prayer. And if it's a value of mine, how am I going to live that out in this season? And I don't, I don't know without zoom or the crisis, what I have thought, Oh, you know what, why am I limiting? Like I still in my mind, I would be like, Oh, well, we can't do a prayer meeting unless you can be here. And it's like, really? Like we can pray yeah. like wherever, right? Like we know that in our minds, but I think that now that this is like let go of, you know, like uh, necessity is, is the, uh, you know, the force of innovation or the, the thing that propels innovation. So it, it forced us to be like, okay, what, what can we do now that like we can't gather per se, like we normally did. Um, and I think you're right on, like even finding ways, you know, that are, they're not necessarily again, splashy, but they're, they're simple ways that I think even when I go forward, uh, you know, and you and I both would agree with this statement is, I want to leverage Zoom more so than I did before. Like I did not know how much it could enhance what I was doing because there's a lot of conversations I want to have with people, but it's all—it's not always easy to get on the same schedule. Um, but if you did this and they could do it from their home or even on their lunch break, man, that's a great way to jump into conversations. And I also like the collaboration thing. And man, I know I keep talking about no matter where you are in your journey and, and your leadership, um, and, and even your spiritual life collaborations king, man, um, really, uh, the best stuff is going to come through when we work together. You know, that's why even on this podcast, you're, you're hearing from all kinds of people, you know, you, you heard from a guy from Georgia, a guy from Canada, <laughs> a guy from York, Pennsylvania, you know, you're going to hear from all kinds of people. Part of that is because I do believe, uh, in kingdom collaboration. I believe that the best ideas and so does Mark are generated when we work together because there's synergy and that word is often overused <laughs> to define, but it is, but it's simply saying, Hey, we're putting energy together. We're better together than we are apart. Um, and a lot of times we, we ask the question, what about me? And really we should be asking the question, what about we, what about we, like, what if we did this together? And if we lead, lead like that, I think the the impact will be exponential and we will see tremendous dividends in our lives and in our leadership. And even, you know, I think about leaders outside the church. I think about the small business owners uh, that are hurting right now. I think it's powerful to watch when other leaders go and encourage them through this time. And, you know, I personally have a heart for our local community um, and all these, these pieces, but one of the things I've been trying to do is prioritize just asking, how are you doing to the business leaders in our community that I'm, I have friendships with? Hey man, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? You need anything? Like I, 
I'm purposely uh, using and leveraging um, when I when you know I'm going out. I'm trying to buy from them as much as possible. So like Mother's Day, my my buddy Blake, he owns a restaurant called Morgan's, and he's having a Mother's Day special. So I'm like, man, I want to do this for my my wife and my my mother-in-law. Like, you know, this is this is a great way to do that. So I think the the bigger principle that I take even from that is, man, there's power in collaboration, things that you would do. And so as we think about in, in the midst of the coronavirus and post coronavirus, I I'm hoping we don't take and leave a behind, um, take away or leave behind this idea of, um, collaboration and working together, because again, that's when the best stuff, comes forward. So as, as you think about that, you know, Mark, and, and I know you've m- mentioned a couple of different things. What is your hope uh, for the local church, man? You know, as, <laughs> you know, I, I think sometimes people, and rightfully so, have a, a bad view of the church because they've had bad experiences. But what is the hope that you have for the local church, even in the midst of this season and post-COVID-19 as well? Yeah. Oh. I think I want to see exponentially more people turn to Jesus um, and experience the life that he promises. Um, You know, he promises life to the full and that's not, that's not a um, promise of physical prosperity. It's, it's a promise of fullness of life, of purpose, of, Mm -hmm kind of understanding where you came from, where you're going, why you're here, you know, uh, and people are lost without that, you know, lost without him. And so I believe he is the hope of the world. And I, I believe there's an opportunity here for, for exponentially more people to experience him. Hmm. Um, I think it's a huge opportunity for the church to become known by what they're for in their communities instead of what they're against. It's by, you know, churches just being mobilized to, to serve the needs of their community as, as I believe God intended that for churches. Um, I think right now not being able to meet in buildings is just a great, it's a great opportunity to be like, man, let's look at what's happening outside of our buildings. And so much of what the church is supposed to be, if you read about it in the book of Acts, it doesn't happen in a building. In fact, nowhere in the book of Acts, you even read about a building except for from house to house. They met in houses, but it was about the one another type of relationships that people had serving one another, accepting one another, loving one another, encouraging one another. And so I think this is just like, an incredible time for all of that. The most beautiful parts of what the church is to be fanned into flame and for that to continue on beyond um, this quarantine, that would be my hope. Yeah, it's good, man. And I think even knowing, like you said, Mark, um, to know what you're for, which goes back to what we said throughout this is like, what's your mission? And, um, if you're looking for a great read on that, I would encourage you to read Jeff Henderson's book, Know What You're For. Uh, it's a short read, but man, it's a great read to know how you are for and in the area that you're in, um, because I think there is a, a great opportunity for us. And, and Mark, I think you alluded to this as well, but as you think about this part of the country, you know, I, I know you and I talked a lot about when you were making the move back to the Northeast and specifically Pennsylvania and I know that uh, you were 
you were kind of living in somewhat uh, a dreamland, uh, meaning that you were living in the South. Uh, and many of you guys know Bob from Atlanta. So I could appreciate his love for <laughs> going South for a bit, but, but you were called back here. And, and I just wanted to hear like, you know, as you, as you think about being brought back here, what's your vision and in, in prayer for the Northeast and specifically Pennsylvania? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, and had an opportunity to work with just some amazing people there. Um, super grateful for the time there and, and what we saw God do, uh, and coming back here, first of all, it was hard because man, winters in Virginia are really nice. <laughs> There's a lot more sunshine there, but, but part of, part of what I believe God was saying to us and bring us back here was to be part of a mission here in Pennsylvania. And it's just, um, culturally speaking, it's just different, you know, uh, Virginia, Atlanta, both, especially Lynchburg, Virginia. I mean, we're talking like, they're like buckles in the Bible belt, man. It's just like uh, every, everybody's churched, everybody's brother's a pastor. Like it's, that's, it's kind of the culture. And, um, and the Northeast is not like that. There's, there's a lot of religious history to the Northeast but a lot of walking away from, and, and understandably so, because of people's experience, uh, negative church experiences. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people or a lot of people's parents gave up on church um, just because of some negative experiences over the years. And, but what I believe is core in the hearts of people is they don't necessarily give up on God. Mm. Um, mm. Maybe they've given up on church, but they haven't given up on God or they're asking God questions and they honestly want to see, they want to know like, is he for real? And, and can he make this difference in my life? Do I really need him or not? And um, so part of my vision in this, and what I'm, I'm praying God does through this whole coronavirus is just, it just, it interrupts us from how things were and gets our attention. And I'm praying that for a lot of people, it helps them connect their heart and their soul with the creator of their heart and soul and mm. to find wholeness in him that can't ever be fixed by, um, by government officials or an econ uh, uh, a strong economy. You know, it can only be satisfied by the maker, the one who made us um and made us in his image all people created in his image and will only find full restoration when when they're reconciled with him and so yeah I, i'm praying that through this that man there would be a movement across pennsylvania of people being restored with god it's beautiful man and i, I do think for us all you know whether you, you're a follower or not a follower. I think all the things that we've held on to so much have been stripped away. The things we've built our lives on apart from Jesus. And it's an invitation, like Mark said, life to the full. And it's not a health and wealth kind of gospel. Um, you know, it's not a promise of uh, prosperity in the sense of, um, you know, your bank account and the car you drive and <laughs> everything in your life going exactly like you want it. But it is, um, prosperity of this peace that goes beyond our circumstances. The word is shalom. And it's just this idea of this wholeness 
uh, being brought into all that we were intended to, and then joining God in partnership to seeing all things restored and made new. And man, I'm so grateful you're back in Pennsylvania, brother. And I'm man, I loved having you today on the Vision for the Valley podcast. And I wanted to ask you one other question, and then uh, we'll wrap up. And it's simply this: How can people connect with you, Mark, in LCBC? Yeah, probably uh, my email, markfitch at lcbcchurch.com. Um, and you can always go to lcbcchurch.com uh, to find out more about um, our church, view, view online, lots of different resources on there. Yeah, and they do a Sign lot. up for a song and a prayer. Yeah. yeah, and they do a lot of, uh, I know, trainings as well. So if you're looking for more trainings and development, they, you know, obviously Corona's kind of maybe changed some of that for now, but, you know, they are very uh, generous church. So I, I would encourage you to check out what they're doing. They're, they're, they're good also to not only learn from in the sense of what they produce, but even to reach out to. Um, they're good at, at doing that. So Mark, we're, we're just really grateful for you, man. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being so faithful over the years, which has led to so much fruitfulness. I have been greatly impacted by you, and I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, and as a friend recently said to me, the best is yet to come, and I want to say that to you, the best is yet to come, my friend. Thanks, Joseph. I love you, man. Love you and Amy, and uh, grateful for an opportunity to connect with you today on the podcast and to see you here on Zoom. All right. All right. Love you too, man. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 